Welcome to the New Zealand International Film Festival podcast series. Today's Q&A follows a screening of Jawline. Director Liza Mandeloup is in conversation with Erin Rogatsky. Hi everyone. Thanks again for sticking around for that wonderful screening of Jawline. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you could just put your hands together one more time, please. Thank you. Wonderful. So we're just going to get started with the Q&A now. Um, do we have any, we have a Roman mic. Um, so if you have a question, just put your hand up and make sure that you speak very clearly into the microphone so that we can all hear. Um, does anyone want to get us started with a question? Hi, congratulations on a great film. Thank you. Thank uh, you're from the US, yes, I can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you live close to where Austin lived? Um, no, I, I actually live in LA and half of our crew lived in New York. So we, we shot actually in 15 different states around um, around um, the US. So it kind of was arbitrary where we were living. Um, but Michael's Michael, the, the manager character, had like a, that mansion was in the Hollywood Hills. So I was able to go and film with him much easier. But um, Austin lived in like the middle of nowhere, like mm. a, two planes and a long drive. and. Um, so it wasn't easy to get to him, but we, we went quite often. Right, and do you mind me asking, because I'm following a group of young people yeah. that I'm finding quite hard to actually film, you know, stay in one spot. How often would you go and film with him? Um, I was just trying to keep it like um, visiting him. It, it, it varied, so like it would just, I would feel it out. So I'd be like, oh, this trip, I feel like I'm going to need to stay for 10 days because... Um, I feel like there's a lot going on and we want to go there and then also get B-roll all over the town. And then there were other trips where um, I was just like, I need this one beat and I don't want to stay much longer because um, I just, it depends how like exhausted you feel. Cause sometimes you get like, like if you push it too much and you stay for too long, the, your energy changes and you're kind of like, all right, like let's go. And I don't like to ever have that energy with my subjects. I like to be very present and feel like I'm not in the clock and I like my whole crew to feel that way. And I think you, you can kind of get a sense for when the crew starts to feel burnout. And I always try to leave right before that. Um, Cause we didn't live there. Like there are some docks where people just like move to the town, but I never felt like I needed to do that with Austin. It was like, I needed to visit him and then keep in touch with him and feel like when something was shifting, I would go back. Um, and so that's kind of the, the structure we built. And it, it's, it's really up to you, like what, what works for you? Like, do you feel like if you leave your subjects, um, you're not gonna be able to find them and you have to stay really close to them for a long time? Or do you feel like you need to be in, live in that town with them? Or um, do they keep in touch with you? Like Austin, not only did he keep in touch with me, but he would post to Instagram and stuff all the time. So I was kind of able to keep track of what was going on. Like he'd be like, I'm going on a tour. And I, if he didn't tell me that, I, I was able to be like, I, would, I was able to see it online. Um, oh, she asked what the process. Cast, yeah, what the casting process was. Um, I I started. I knew the world that I wanted to film in, so I started going on a bunch of these tours. Um, and I, it was pretty much just whoever would have me on tour was where I started. It was kind of hard for me to get access to um, because people wanted contracts up front or money, and um, it was it wasn't like the easiest thing to jump into considering I was a complete outsider. And I was I'm always very transparent about what I'm doing. I'm making a documentary. I see it living in the art world as a festival film, something for a streaming site. Um, and I don't, I don't know exactly where yet, but and we don't, you know, I, I'm always like honest with them. So I think it, it needed to be someone who saw the value in making a documentary. Um, so we got invited onto one tour 
And then um, I just knew I needed to just get on tour and then I would figure it out from there. And so I had the idea in my head that I wanted it to be like three different elements with um, a manager, a boy, and a fangirl. And the fangirls end up being a chorus instead of singular, even though we did follow one girl for a while. Um, it didn't work. It, they, they, I just felt like it wasn't one person's story. It was like about the group. Um, so I was casting for that going into the film. And so we filmed for a year before Finding Austin. And um, I think I actually met Michael before Austin, but he took some time to actually start filming with because he was like moving. Um, so I went on a bunch of tours and I basically just went around asking people like, I'm looking for someone that I want to film. I want to film with him the first time that he decides he wants to give it his all and drop everything and become a live broadcaster. And I wanted to have high stakes. I'd love him to be, you know, like 15, 16. Like I was just kind of putting these feelers out to people. And then um, I, I also was banking on the fact that this person had to have a cinematic life. And so the idea of someone living in the middle of nowhere was like a fantasy of mine. And then I, I guess I had said this to enough people because someone was like, I think I found someone you're really gonna like. And they had seen him randomly online. And we went and met him and I was like, this is, this is the exact person that can tell the story. And we knew instantly, but you're still, even when you know right away and you're like, oh my God, we're so excited we found a main character, you're still like, but chill, you know, chill out. Like, like let's follow him for a little bit. Let's see if he's into it. Let's see if he lets us have access to him indefinitely. Like you kind of get super excited and then like try to reel yourself back in and be like, but we still got like other options, you know? So that's kind of my process. Just along that same vein, given that you did shoot for so long and so many different kind of aspects, was there anything that you kind of wish that you could have gone a little bit further with or you wish kind of could have made the final cut? Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the, the fangirl that we filmed with was really hard to cut out and actually it slowed down our edit for a while because I was fighting for it to stay in and we kind of made a couple cuts and people were like, I don't feel like this is the strongest version of your film. And um, it, she, she took a lot of time away from us <laughs> because I tried to keep her in for a long time and then when she came out of the film, it was much better, but I kind of still to this day, I'm like, oh, I wish I could you know, do something with her stuff. Cause it's also very hard to imagine managing a relationship with someone and filming with them for a while and then they get cut from a film and they're a teenager. And so it was like, um, I felt really uncomfortable explaining that to her and stuff. So that's, that's never ideal scenario. Um, but I also set myself up for that to be the possibility with anybody. So I never, I never promise anybody anything or I really never even tell them exactly what, um, their role is or anything like that. Like it took Austin until like the very end to be like, am I the main character? Cause I'm kind of, I don't, I don't want to let someone down because they could get cut from the film and you don't want to, like I think what that was a lesson for me because p trying to keep her in for so long actually slowed us down. And it was because I felt this obligation to her. And you really need to remove yourself from that as a filmmaker because um, I remember the editor saying to me at one point, like, do you want to keep her in or do you want a good film? And I was like, I want a good film, so I guess she's got to go. And she has, she's on a hard drive now, and I kind of like think about doing something with it. Um, hey. In, in some ways, your film's about um, exploitation, um, it's especially towards the end, in terms of um, some of the characters making the most out of these young people. Um, and one thing that I noticed was that one of the, um, one of the, the young um, social, social media guys, um, he had like a a Pepe the Frog like thing mm -hmm. on a shirt he was wearing. And also I know about um, TikTok recently like 
fascists have been using TikTok as a way of like recruiting people. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if that was like a specific form of exploitation you noticed at all in terms of any kind of alt-right aspects. I didn't come across that exact thing, um, but I think that I definitely felt like there was like masses being manipulated through these different apps where um, they, they, they're being told, like it's almost like I don't know who's in control of them 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 like um, knowing what works. So for example, if like like they, I remember there was one point where um, like they, this is something that actually probably another thing that I was like, oh, I, I wish I could put more of this in the film. But the boys told me that the the the, the more queer they act, the more followers they get, even if they're straight. And I was like, who came up with that formula? <laughs> you know, like that was something that I was like, they because they post all these photos of them like with like out with their shirts off and like, but the girls are like in love with them as like straight boys. Um, and I was just kind of like, where's the mastermind behind that? You know, is it the girls, the, the app? Like there was something like really weird happening with that. And I don't, I don't think exactly like I can say that I saw like fascism exactly, but I think that I feel like I saw that there was all these young teenagers reacting to something that like they were not in control of and it was like some there's like someone's creating this app and like changing the way they behave which is what I find fascinating that like app all these apps are about um it's about like um it's like crowd culture it's about it's an app only works if it's the masses are on it so um, it's about getting everybody, oh, oh, nobody's on this app anymore. Everybody's over here. And, and it's about group mentality. And so it made me kind of think we live in a time where group mentality is really, um, that's like what people are all about. Um, just on that topic, um, were there specific platforms that you analyzed that you used for the film? Or um, did yeah. You, and did you notice any difference? Because I mentioned TikTok and the main one that you well, had that was the musically in the, the film. Musically, yeah. um, but those are two different platforms, right? Or are they? Um, I think TikTok bought Musically recently. Ah, so okay, the, the, okay. The, the same thing, I think. Y yeah. I, I mean, it's like I kind of I, I can't say I'm I'm keeping up with it at all the times, but that's kind of what I just heard recently. Um, but we did we were actually on You Now, which I loved, and I loved You Now, and that was when I saw it, when I I remember like reading some articles, and then when I logged onto You Now, I was like, I have to make this film because what You Now is is what you see in the film is it's like this public private conversation, and I was like, we live in a time where all these teenagers are closing the door to their bedroom and having what they think is a private conversation with another teenager, but they're broadcasting it to everybody. And I remember the first time I logged onto You Now, I was like, oh my god, like I'm just like watching you guys talk to each other and I almost feel like as a documentary filmmaker you try so hard to get access to those kind of moments and they were just broadcasting it to each other and so like you now you you um you go um, live, but then you guess someone, and that, that guessing someone acts like a public conversation, and then people join the chat and pay to watch that public conversation. And I, j and I just felt like nobody over the age of 18 was using this app, and it was like just totally dominated by teenagers. And I was like, that's fascinating. Um, and I went to the headquarters while we were filming. It's not in the film. I just wanted to like meet the guy, and um, you know, they. I think that they they had made it originally for um, musicians to to like put their performances on and have closer interactions with their fans. And it just kind of got taken over by this world. And then they lean into that, and then they're like, "Oh, okay, we'll just go in that direction." I think one of the most interesting things about the film is how confronting it is for our kind of like regular use of social media. 
I mean, there's an element of performance in a lot of what we do, but then you have this very heightened, kind of intensified performance on things like you now. I mean, these boys are like streaming their lives and we all, there's an element of that, right? Even like things like Instagram stories and things, like we want people to see what we're doing, but this is so intimate. Yeah, I mean, you're performing to look like normal, kind of. So it's like, what's this curated version of my my non-curated life? And it's, you're kind of, um, there's an illusion to the whole thing. And I think live broadcasting is especially confusing, and that's what I saw in the film a lot, where I was meet these girls, and I was like, you're a little confused, because they're selling connection to them, and they're being like, this is just my life, and I'm sharing it with you, and I'm living it, and I'm eating pizza right now, and you're just watching me eat pizza. It's like we're hanging out together. And I, I remember, and these girls were almost, I, it wasn't like the boys were like, we are manipulating them, but I almost felt like they were manipulated into being like, but we're just friends hanging out and we really know each other. And I was like, and then once I started making the film, I was like, but that moment that they're doing with you is a very calculated moment. And they know that you like that. And they're leaning into that. And they're sitting there doing it until enough people log in so that they can make good money. And it's like, what, what a fascinating world where there was a market that thought about what teenage girls' desires were and what they were missing and leaned into it to make money. And that, that's why I was like, like. <laughs> this is one. Um, congratulations, it was a really good film. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, going back to the fangirl, did I understand the group hysteria with the girls and the good looking young guys. What about, the, did the same thing happen with the fangirl? Like there was a whole bunch of guys going hysterical or? No. No, is that probably why it didn't? Um, it doesn't work in reverse because, like, I kind of look at this world as, like, it's, like, one market of desire. So um, I think the, the like, most obvious reverse is porn where um, you you have that, like, whole thing. But the, the market here is actually, like, teenage, like, the, these girls want love and connection. They don't want, they don't really actually want sex. It's, it's their, 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 it's a time in their life where they feel lonely. They feel isolated. They don't feel like they can connect with anyone at school. They're getting bullied. And what they really want is someone to be like, hi, how are you? You look pretty and I care about you. And it's like, whether or not it's true, it just like, it's, that's like their drug of choice almost. Like they want that. And, um. I don't think that works in reverse because the market of desire isn't there for teenage boys. Teenage boys don't want that same thing. They want something else. Um, so I think that I, I, there is no exact reverse of it because it's feeding into what girl teenage girls want, um, which is really interesting because most people don't pay attention to what teenage girls want. True. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank um, you. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I just wanted to know what the manager, was it Michael, yeah. thought of the documentary. Um, to me, he came across as extremely predatory um, and how you managed that relationship with him as well. Like, what was that like for you, observing what we've just seen? I, yeah. I mean, I really liked Michael because for me, um, as opposed to, I guess I liked Michael after having experienced a couple different managers and then I got to him and I was like, you're an angel because I had been through like the ringer with a few other ones that were older and creepy and very, very rude to me and and like just like, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, you're like, you're, you're trying to figure out like, okay, like, well, what whatever you need to like give me access and sometimes you kind of feel like people just push you too far a little bit and um I had a manager like do a, like do a lot of stuff that I felt like I was like oh I didn't need to like go through all that with him and then Michael came around and Michael was like really sweet and he really respected me 
he thought it, I was like really cool and had done a lot of stuff in the fashion because I, I do a lot of stuff for like different fashion brands and stuff. And he just really liked what I did. And he was like, if you're going to make a film about me, like it's going to be great. And I trust you. And we just got along really well in that sense. And um, I'm also older than him. And that was a unique thing because um, he is like, he's almost like a, a child playing an adult where there were so many moments where I was like talking to him and I was like, you're a child like taking advice from me. Like you don't, you don't, you're not fully secure and you don't really like know your place in the world. And um, he, he like kind of wasn't, he was really vulnerable in that sense with me. Um, and I think that he, his reaction to the film was like, yeah, that's me. He's very proud of who he is. He lo he's he loves what he does, and he thinks that he's um, you know he's he's just that's what like good casting is. He is who he is. So um, he didn't have any problems with the film. He loves it. He promotes it. He's trying to do the social media for the film. You know, he's like um, all about it. And uh, I just also really liked the fact that he was like kind of a producer. So at times when I would be um, like trying to meet up, or, or we went on a tour and it was logistically really complicated because we had to get on a bus a bunch of times and then get into each of these shows and then try to stay at the same hotel as them. And he was almost like producing our shoot. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Like, you know, like he was like arranging stuff for us as well. And he just liked to take care of us and stuff. And and um, it's funny because it's like he's one of those people that like, as you see in the film, he was always fighting for us to come in places. And he was like, if my documentary can't, crew can't come, you're going to get none of my boys. And he was like, he would leverage the boys all the time in order to get us access. And we would just be in the corner like, um, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, just like let him handle it. So it was a really great relationship um, that wasn't too complicated to manage, honestly. So it worked out. I think some of that vulnerability did come through. I, think I remember so, yeah. there was that one scene where he name dropped you, like you're wasting everyone's time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, And I yeah. feel like that was a moment especially where it kind of drew attention to the fact that he knew what was happening and he was aware and he was maybe, you know, like feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, I think I'm also used to, like when you're making documentaries, you really surrender your time to people. And so like, I mean, I respect my time, but when I'm on a doc shoot, I don't almost, where I'm like, you don't care about my time. So I never feel like someone is like, the doc crew is here, let's, let's start our day. Like it's like so many of the scenes with Austin, he's sleeping is because we told him we were coming over and he wasn't getting out of bed. And I'm like, I'm used to people not doing that. So the fact that Michael really respected me and he was like, she is here, don't waste her time. I, I was like, oh, you're an angel. Because <laughs> like most people don't care, you know, we're like showing up and they just live their lives and, which is fine, but it's like, you, people don't think about the time that the amount of, like, I mean, you come back with 190 hours of footage and it's like, that's a lot of hours of my life I've spent filming. And like, you don't think, your, your subjects never really think about those things. We have time for one final question. Hey there, I really enjoyed the film. It's probably one of my favorites that I've seen um, oh. in the festival. I was just wondering if um, you had a lot of interaction with the boys' parents because they are quite young, and like, just what what did they think of the industry? Did they like see how sad it was? Or I mean, yeah, there was like an alliance with some of the parents um, in some cases, like not not the. I mean the the 
the Austin's family is a different story, but like I would be at a show and we'd be filming and like one of the dads would come up to me like, this shit is crazy. You know, like he would be like, this is going to be a good film. And or like the, 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 the dads were like hilarious to me, but they would come up and they'd be like, they're like saviors. Like they were they were they were also understanding how nuts it was and they didn't understand and they didn't get what was going on. So I, I didn't include them in the film because I almost felt like they were me. Like, we were, like, kind of, like, also being, like, this is, this is like, insane and, and kind of, um, they didn't know what was going on. The parents were, like, some of the parents, though, were also very extreme, where, like, um, they would travel, like, long distances to go meet these boys. Like, the girls would be, like, tracking their every move, and the parent would be driving them around trying to f chase them to all these locations. The parents were the ones that spend thousands of dollars. They and you know like middle class families spending all this money to go go to all these shows with them and stuff, and it's almost like parents just want their kids to be happy. And a lot of the girls in the film, um, you know, they've they've suffered from things, whether it's just feeling depressed or anxious and cutting themselves or eating disorders or whatever. And then they tell their parents, "This thing makes me really happy, and it makes me feel like I want to. I want It's worth. I'm worth living." And the parents are just sort of like, "Well, okay, it's not drugs, and it's not like." You know, it could be worse. This is fine. It feels safe. Um, so that was kind of a lot of the interaction with the parents. Um, Austin's parents were very absent. That's why they're not in the film very much. I mean, they literally were not at the shoot ever. Um, and I didn't meet his mom until like the second or third shoot with him, which was very strange because she signed the release and then was like not around. Um, and I, I kept telling Austin, I was like, it's not normal. You're a 16-year-old kid. I cannot be like, I think it's very strange to be filming with you without knowing your parents really well. Um, and he and it was almost like part of the texture of that household is like the kids are the, the parents. Like they are the adults. Like they take care of the things and they, they run the house and stuff. And the mom just like kind of comes and goes where like I, I didn't, I felt really weird about it. But then I got to know the mom really well eventually. Um, and I just understood the dynamic of the house, and I was kind of just like witnessing that, that like that was normal in their household. Um, so each each one is different, but I think overall the parents are either like, they were like very clueless or like kind of absent. Thank you all so much for coming out and for asking such wonderful questions. Thank you, if that you was great. If you could all just put your hands together one more time. Thank you all so much, have a wonderful day.